This is the Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Why, hello everyone, this is Patrick Donahoe, and you're listening to episode 221, and we are at the end of uh, end of the year. Wow, what a year uh, it's uh, it's been. Actually, before I get to some of that, I just wanted to uh, let you know we do have a few copies of the Tuttle Twins Search for Atlas. So go ahead and leave us a, a review, take a picture, and uh, and then we'll get you a a book out as soon uh, as soon as possible. Perfect, uh, perfect for kids. And this uh, comes off of the interview last week with my good friend and uh, president of Libertas. Institute Connor Boyack. Okay, so let's uh, let's kind of get into it. 2017 has been crazy, huh? Uh, it's it's been ups and downs. I mean, look at we have we've had President Trump. Uh, there were some financial uh, celebrities, uh, some those you know authors, uh, ones that I have a great deal of respect for, calling for market collapses in 2016. But you know, Trump I think came in and and uh, really uh, really shook shook things up. So this was the year of uh, year of Trump. Uh, but you also had the tax bill recently. You've had all-time heights in markets, uh, uh, the real estate, uh, the amount of debt that's out there, especially corporate debt, uh, and uh, rising you know, student loan debt, rising government debt. It's kind of really, really crazy, uh, but also personal, it consu- uh, consumer debt. Credit cards are re- reaching all-time highs, uh, uh, automobiles. So it's a really, really interesting time uh, to, be, uh, to be alive. But what's, what's fascinating is that this end of the year, just in the last month or so, there has been this just insane buzz around uh, cryptocurrency, uh, and uh, it's on every headline. And it, Wall Street Journal is there all the time. It's on every major, uh, you know, social media feed. And I use my my social media feeds as kind of like my virtual uh, uh, mastermind group. And so it's everywhere. It's crazy. Uh, but the uh, the interesting thing is that it's such a different type of uh, you know industry market, or whatever you want to call it or categorize it as, and from what I've understood, very few people really understand it. And uh, so that's why I've uh, brought on our guest today, and I'll get to him in just a second. Uh, but it, it really is something that um, I would, I'm not encouraging investment in it, but I'm encouraging to pay attention to it because right now it's just crazy. I mean, it's like tulip tulip mania where you know the uh, the crocodile brain is being poked, crocodile brain meaning you know, just your your survival instincts, your you know instinct for fear and instinct for you know fear of missing out, instinct for a lot of greed. Uh, you know, for a crocodile, it's it's mating. Uh, but anyway, it's one of those things where it's really preying on on people and you know not wanting to to miss out. Uh, but I think it's I think it's fascinating, and I think uh, the blockchain behind it, really understanding how that works, is going to be instrumental into uh, really the uh, the future and how uh, there are opportunities in in really a number of industries to consolidate. The way in which transactions are uh, accounted for, documented, verified, uh, and uh, because right now I, I, you know, I would say those that are in real estate, those that are in, um, you know, the uh, financial services industry, they experience just so much inefficiency with so many different systems trying to be organized into one, and uh, and blockchain really is that that technology that if they can figure out the efficiency there, it's just one centralized way in which you can document, uh, you know, multiple transaction cross, uh, cross industry. So I can't, I can't stress it enough to just really be paying attention to it because it's going to be the future of quite a bit of industry. Uh, so, but right now it's, it's just, you know, it's on this, this big kick specifically with, uh, with, uh, with Bitcoin. And, uh, so I, I thought, 
that uh, it would be uh, wise to bring someone that uh, is kind of in the circle of influence. He's actually out of Hong Kong, uh, but his name is Tama Churchhouse, and they have a newsletter which is called StansburyChurchhouse.com. Uh, we actually have a special special deal for Paradigm listeners. Uh, it's bitly bit forward slash Tama, which is T A M A on radio. Uh, so, so check that. I think it's going to give you a, a, a trial of something. Uh, but, but anyway, th- it's this is a guy that I had a fascinating conversation with, and he really knows his stuff. He exited, you know, the uh, financial or uh, investment banking world to pursue something like this. And so, a fascinating conversation with him. I really think he is uh, kind of one of those forward thinkers associated with how uh, blockchain, how cryptocurrency is going to, you know, really be part of our future society. So, uh, I definitely think you're going to enjoy this. Uh, this interview and uh, got some exciting things on the horizon for 2018. So uh, I'll be announcing some uh, uh, some things in the coming coming days. Uh, if you're not part of our email list, you definitely want to uh, subscribe. It's absolutely free. Just go to our website, thewellstandard.com, and you can sign up for those uh, announcements and notifications. Uh, but we have something cool coming out in just a few days. So make sure uh, you're on that list. And also follow me on social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and I uh, love to, you know, love to love to connect. All right. That being the case, wish you guys a happy new year and uh, look forward to a very prosperous 2018. And without any further delay, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to meet Tama Churchhouse. My guest today is Tama Churchhouse. Tama, welcome. Uh, welcome to the program we're going to dive into one of those topics that is the top of every major periodical, especially as it, as it pertains to finance, which is uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency. And, uh, and I've been told that you are uh, one of those experts in, in how it all works and are currently, uh, your, your website and your business is dedicated to uh, teaching individuals about this uh, very quickly uh, becoming part of you know the vernacular of, of society, uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency. So first off, welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks. Glad to be here. And you are actually joining us from uh, Hong Kong. So why don't you give maybe some background as to uh, where you've uh, you know your your business profile and how you got to the point in which you are teaching about uh, blockchain and uh, and cryptocurrency? Sure. Uh, my background is investment banking. I spent nearly a decade on structured derivatives desks uh, at investment banks, um, most recently with JP Morgan here in Hong Kong. Uh, I've always been based in Asia, working out of Asia. I've uh, lived here my whole life, born in Hong Kong. Um, I left the banking world and then we founded Stansbury Church House Research. Um, and one of our newer products is crypto capital. My involvement in the crypto space has been uh, a couple of years now. I first got involved as an investor and uh, I'm on the board of a crypto company. Um, and it is one which it's a company that has its own crypto token out in the marketplace at the moment um, and is one of the most uh, one of the most successful in terms of the amount of capital that's brought in from its distribution, uh, currently around 650 million US and counting. Um, so really my involvement on that side, kind of a hands-on insider uh, perspective. And then, uh, you know, my publisher said, look, you know, you should be, uh, you know, writing about crypto. And I'll be honest, I didn't think 
that people would be that interested. Um, you know, when I started writing about it at the beginning of the year, it very quickly became apparent that this is what, you know, people were really interested. Um, and I was kind of trying to get people to buy, you know, even a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin. I was saying, just please just try it, go out there and go through the process of doing it because it's unlike anything else. Um, and that's kind of really evolved uh, over the past year uh, into Crypto Capital, which is our kind of research investment product uh, newsletter we have at the moment. I would say your your perspective then is going to be somewhat intriguing because you are in a different part of the world and you do have background in investment banking and in finance. So I would say the first question I would have is what do you think this year has really created the buzz around uh, around uh, Bitcoin or blockchain or other other cryptocurrencies? Because I know that there are a slew of them out there. Yeah, I mean, I think what we're seeing at the moment is price is getting way ahead of fundamentals, especially on a lot of these crypto uh, assets out there. Um, you know, we, there are definitely elements of a bubble here, but it has really exploded into kind of the national or global consciousness this year. Um, and it's been, um, you know, it's extraordinary. I mean, every single conversation I have now is about crypto. Uh, you know, every, you know, I was sitting at a, just a random dinner, you know, the other day, and this guy was telling me about this newsletter he bought called Crypto Capital. And, you know, I let him talk for a while because I wanted to get, you know, an idea of what he thought of it. Um, and then I had to explain, well, yeah, I actually write that. Um, <laughs> a friend of mine this morning, a friend of mine this morning was saying his wife wants Bitcoin for Christmas. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, the space has kind of exploded and I think it's getting a little bit ahead of itself. Um, there is still a heck of a lot of education that needs to be done. Um, that, you know, there's, there's just a lot of people still who are in this space and don't really understand what they're doing just yet. And that kind of concerns me a little bit. I would say with, with regards to anything that involves a human being, there's always elements of emotion. And I think one of those driving elements is, is, uh, is greed. I think there's also some intrigue in there, but I, I think with the rapidly growing price of Bitcoin, that has kind of created the, uh, the buzz around it. So I would say we don't necessarily need to put our, you know, uh, our conjecture, you know, conjecture of perspective into, into it all. Uh, I would, I would say that as you maybe have these conversations with individuals, what, where do you, where do you gravitate that conversation as far as educating them on the significance of this technology and how it relates to what's going on right now, but also uh, in, into, into the future? I, I love to hear just kind of how you transition the conversation. Well, yeah, I mean, usually my, uh, you know, what I kind of try to emphasize to people is that Bitcoin is just a fraction of the potential promise that blockchain and crypto offers. You know, Bitcoin is the, is the proof of concept, um, but it is just a small, you know, it is the largest proof of concept, but it, its use case is really just a small fraction of the kind of things we're going to see possible over the next 12, 24 months. And those things, whether they're decentralized autonomous organizations, various protocol platforms, decentralized businesses, um, most people don't, haven't really managed to get their head around it just yet. They're still trying to get to grips with what Bitcoin is. Um, and, you know, once we kind of talk through what Bitcoin is, I then kind of tend to start to go, okay, well, here's how some of these other crypto assets operate. Here's how they work. Here's why some of them 
will do extremely well. And here's why some of them, which are currently, you know, have hundreds of millions or even billion dollar market values, will go to zero. So, you know, there is going to be a, you know, a pretty substantial shakeout. And what I'm really trying to get across to people is, you know, don't be on the wrong side of that. Don't be overextended. And, you know, you mentioned greed, and that's a great one. And I think actually it's the, the flip side of that greed coin is actually the, the fear of missing out. And that is, a, you know, this, this kind of, you, you see this kind of urgency of people like, I've got to own Bitcoin, I've got to own it, I've got to own it. How much should I put in? Um, and, you know, what I say to everyone is, listen, I, you know, I use a one to five rule. If you're a beginner, don't invest more than 1% of your investable assets. If you're a bit more advanced and you know what you're doing and you're bullish, then up to 5%. But any more than that, and I think, uh, you, you know, you're going to be up at night watching your positions and that's kind of not where we want to be. Let me take two, step, two steps back. So you, you had made some comments about uh, there are there's some distinguishing factors between certain certain cryptocurrencies. And so maybe maybe go into that because that is what is really in, intriguing to me is just the the underlying technology and how that uh, can you know essentially make more you mentioned businesses uh, more efficient uh, processes more efficient. I would say in a lot of you know it, whether it's the insurance world or whether it's the real estate and title world, there are a lot of, I would say, antiquated, inefficient processes that are out there that I, that I feel, and this is with my you know, still somewhat neophyte understanding of, of, uh, of blockchain and cryptocurrency, that, these, you know, that this technology will make things so much quicker and seamless uh, maybe not seamless, but quicker and, and more efficient. So could you comment maybe on those distinguishing factors between, you know, certain currencies that are, that are out there uh, and those that maybe has an, uh, that have an underlying value that uh, goes uh, across multiple, multiple industries potentially. Does that, does that question make sense? Sure. Yeah, it does. Um, so, you know, okay. one of the, the biggest misconceptions that people have is they talk about cryptocurrencies as though all of the hundreds and now thousands Thousands of crypto assets out there are just currencies. I, and when I say currency, I mean, uh, you know, just exist simply as a digital medium of exchange and don't do anything more than that. So that's kind of what Bitcoin uh, and others like Litecoin, for example, Dash, those kind of uh, crypto assets are currencies as we would kind of traditionally equate the word with currencies. The next level we have are the, the crypto protocols um, and all the crypto platforms. And those I liken to, if you think about the internet as it, as it exists today, um, everything, whether it's Google, Apple, Facebook, everything is built, every internet company is built on a, uh, a layer of internet protocols. So you think of TCP IP, you think of HTTP for your browsers, you think of SMTP for email. These protocols, they're not monetizable, but they are the, the backbone, the infrastructure backbone for the entire internet. So crypto protocol tokens are in the process of creating an entirely new protocol, an entirely new backbone for a new internet. And you can participate in those. So those are, you know, projects like Ethereum, like EOS, like Cardano. Those are tokens who are creating new uh, protocols, as it were, that we can build the next level, which is crypto enterprises. 
And so these are decentralized companies or decentralized entities that exist on the blockchain. And what those do is they create a much more uh, aligned incentive structure between users. Uh, if you think, go back to it, you know, the, 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 the typical corporation, you have shareholders, you have management, and you have customers. And you've always got this kind of conflict because shareholders want to extract as much value as possible out of the company. Managers want to extract as much value out of consumers. Consumers, you know, and management want to, you know, extract as much value out of shareholders because they want to get paid. Consumers just want the lowest price at the best, yeah, and the best service. Um, because you have that kind of centralization, uh, you have these conflicts. When you have a decentralized organization, you have your shareholders, your users, and really your managers are all the same pool. They're all the same community. And blockchain technology allows you to do that, allows you to build a decentralized Airbnb, a decentralized Uber, a decentralized gambling platform that's provably fair. Um, so what blockchain can do is make a lot of businesses staggeringly more efficient. And this is kind of why you see a lot of kickback from you know, traditional incumbents, particularly in the financial industry. And as somebody who worked in the financial industry for a decade, I can tell you the way that they are run is extraordinarily inefficient. They are intermediaries, and any intermediary does not want to get disintermediated. And nope. they certainly don't want to get disintermediated by something that is faster, cheaper, uh, and is going to cut them out of a job. Let me take, take a step back, because I'm, I'm, fo I'm following a lot of this, but I'm, I'm envisioning listeners not necessarily following the train of, you know, the, the train of understanding. So I would, uh, let's, let's go back maybe to the, the protocols that you had, that you had talked about. So those, so the, the protocols that are used every day by people, whether they understand it and, and know it about it or not. Okay. There, there's a, 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 you know, I would say an intellectual a property there. There's, there's specific property and I, and I don't know this, but if you look at, you know, let's just say HTTP, which I would say most people are familiar with, like, is, is there an owner of that technology that receives, you know, a, uh, an intellectual property type of royalty, uh, associated with it, with its use? No, there isn't. Okay. Any, any internet protocols, is that, is that the case? Yeah, so when you have, um, see, the, the real key difference between what, what blockchain has done is it allows people to monetize open source software. So typically, if you release open source software, there's no way to monetize it. So, you know, if I, really, if I, if I program, if I put out all the code and I put it online, um, now anyone can, can take it, can go off and do what they want with it, but I, how do I monetize it? How can I actually monetize open source software? What blockchain allows, allows for you to effectively monetize open source software, where you can say, this is a new protocol. There are a billion tokens associated with this protocol. Everyone who owns a token can use this protocol. Um, so it allows you to actually monetize open source software. Now, once someone can go and copy that, that's fine. But if you don't have a network, so the underlying value is the network of people who use it. It's kind of like Facebook in that equivalent, right? I can go copy paste Facebook, but if I don't have the network, if I don't have the people on it, then it's not going to be worth anything. So really, you know, protocols are just, it's a way of monetizing open source software and creating value associated with open source software. 
so I would say tokens and ownership of tokens is essentially it, it's like how would you how would you compare that? So is it kind of like a stock ownership uh, or an ownership in a in a in a company or an ownership of a intellect a piece of intellectual property? Is that what you would equate it to? Like what is the closest comparison that most people would understand? The thing is that it really varies on a token to token basis. So if I own a Bitcoin, really I, I own just a piece of digital currency, a piece of digital value. If I own um, other tokens, for example, if I own a token in an online gambling, decentralized gambling platform, that token gives me a cut of the rake and maybe it gives me a discount when I gamble on that platform, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is more like a security in, in the sense that it's, it's more like a, it's more like a share or a part of an, an underlying enterprise. But the value would only be like to the person, the value would only be based on what the market would pay them, right? So if you own a share of a gambling platform uh, and it goes up in value, that there's really no determination of whether it's valuable or not unless there's somebody willing to purchase it, correct? Like if there's a market for it. Yeah, I mean, with that one, with the gambling platform I mentioned, uh, some of them have, you know, they they actually pay basically a dividend. So they pay a, you know, every time, you know, let's say there's a million dollars worth of commission generated by the gambling platform, that gets paid out in Bitcoin, say, to holders of the underlying token. So it operates there a bit like a security. So there is actual income associated with that underlying token. Um, But you're absolutely right. I mean, liquidity is the issue. It's only worth what the market is going to take it off your hands for at any given time. And the final thing I was going to say was there are what I would call utility tokens. So if you think of something like Dropbox, I think everyone is familiar with Dropbox. It's a it's a cloud storage platform. So there are decentralized versions of Dropbox, which say, okay, if you own 10 tokens, then that gives you X gigabytes of storage. Storage. Exactly. So there's Filecoin. Wasn't Filecoin a a, a version of that? There's Filecoin, there's storage. There's, there's a few, a few out there. Um, So those are utility tokens. I own that token and it gives me the right to use a particular platform. These are some questions that, that I, that I would have. So looking at, like the like developing on the blockchain and and using you know I, I don't even know where to start with the question honestly I, I know Ethereum may be close to this from what I've been uh, told but if you know let's say that there was an idea for a protocol or an idea for uh, a utility like where like how does that develop? Are there are there uh, are there developers out there that understand a certain programming language, or is that different based on the the different the different uh, crypto currency? Does that question make sense? Yeah, it does. So, um, and it's a great question because you know you think of a lot of these. Um, you know, I think of a lot of the protocol tokens in particular kind of like operating systems, like Windows 10 or Mac OS. So you have an operating system, and what do you build on top of the operating system? You build applications, Word, Excel, Outlook, and so on, so on and so forth. So to build a protocol, i.e. a operating system, and to build it from scratch, it really requires a high degree of computational science skills. Like you really need to, you know, there's not many people in the world who can build um, blockchains from scratch 
Now you can copy and tweak other existing ones and build off existing other ones, which makes things a bit easier, but really to build it from scratch is, um, is a very difficult undertaking because, you know, the skills required, you need to understand you know, not only computer science and how hardware works and how distributed networks work, but you need to understand game theory. You need to understand economics. You need to understand how incentives work, how miners and users and, uh, and you know, people who operate on the platform all interact with one another. That's the, re it's the reason why Bitcoin has done so well is because it was built, not only was it a cryptographic breakthrough, but there are incentives throughout the system that, you know, keep things in check, keep everybody honest, keep everyone incentivized to do the right thing for the platform. So, you know, those protocols as well need the same, need the same thing. Um, so that they're not easy to build from scratch and there aren't that many people. There's really, you know, when you look at, you look at the entire crypto space, um, there's just not that many who can really build and have the experience and background to build these things from scratch. Um, now, building on top of applications, uh, building on top of those protocols is a lot easier. Um, you know, regular developers can actually build on top of these platforms. So if I want to build an application on top of the platform, it's a lot easier. But building the protocol itself is, is hard. It's complicated. So from what you're, and, and maybe you know this, maybe you, maybe you don't, and I'd, I'd love to hear kind of where you're, 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 what you're writing about too. But if you, if you are a, a, a developer and you you know, understand, you know, PHP or Java or, 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 or whatever, you know, whatever language you're proficient in, would you just be able to go to whatever like Ethereum or, or, or blockchain and understand how to build an app on top of it? Is it that, is it that simple or is there specific education that's required for someone to have an idea that, you know, could be based on a blockchain rather than like a, you know, a, a, a SQL type of, you know, infrastructure? Like what, is there, is it that easy or is, does it require training? Is there's, are, are the, there's like a small market of developers that actually know how to do this or like, what is it, what's been your, what's, what's your understanding of that? So they all vary. So some of them, for example, Ethereum is the biggest uh, protocol uh, platform out there at the moment. They have their own programming language called Solidity. It's not overwhelmingly difficult for people to use. There are people, plenty of people building apps using Solidity. The problem with Ethereum is it doesn't scale at the moment. So people can't actually deploy applications on that platform at the moment. Okay. So, you know, Solidity is their language. Um, now you have other ones uh, like uh, Tezos and Cardano, and those are protocols as well. They use a different types of language. Um, they use what's called functioning, functional programming language, which is um, a bit more of a mathematically rigorous type of programming language. It's not as widespread. Then you've got platforms like EOS that use C++. You've got other ones which are targeting purely at Java, um, which has limitations, but is obviously a lot easier for a lot of developers to use. So that, you know, each protocol has different, uh, you know, different languages that people can build on top of. Um, some of them will require some, you know, some training and some skills. Uh, others are a lot more developer friendly. It's just they all vary. So I would say if you look at, again, some of the comments you made previously where you have industries that are ripe for disruption. It, it, and I, I think it ranges anywhere from, you know, government to banking to uh, other you know 
I mean, banking in all respects, you know, whether it's uh, deposits or, or lending, uh, but also insurance. And like, there's all sorts of applications. And where do you see, like, where do you see blockchain fitting in? Because in theory, like, I totally understand it. But at the same time, it's a, in, in my opinion, I could be totally wrong. It's, it's a very young, it's still very young as far as its uh, role in, in society, especially business society. Like we're, are there currencies right now that could handle the infrastructure of like a government or the infrastructure of a, you know, fortune 50 bank? Like, what do you, like, does that exist yet? Or is it forthcoming? Is it years out? I mean, where, where are you in seeing that, you know, blockchain or this technology, uh, you know, may not replaces, but starts to integrate itself into a, a significant, a uh, significant industry. So uh, th- th- it's a great question. And, you know, one of the issues with, and I was kind of mentioning earlier, is this year there's, you know, a lot of money has gone into the space, but we're not seeing anywhere near as many real disruptive use cases uh, yet. And a big part of that is because of scalability issues with a lot of the underlying protocols. So I mentioned Ethereum earlier. That's a, a platform. You know, it's the second largest by market market value. Um, you know, this past week that that platform has been completely jammed up and has kind of a record transaction backlog because of one virtual cat application that kind of went viral um, called Crypto Kitties, and that has literally oh, yeah, ground <laughs> the entire Ethereum platform to a halt. That to me is clearly a scalability issue. You know, what I, what I was, uh, spoke at a conference last week and I said, you know, what, 2018 is going to be a big year because we're going to start to see things that work. Um, and we've not seen, you know, outside of the currency realm, we've not seen that many real use cases of things that work yet. Um, and I think we're going to see a And once we do start to see things that work, what that's going to do is it's going to actually, the, the, you know, the investing market is going to mature a little bit and start to go, well, hang on, why am I holding this? It's worth hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars, but it doesn't do anything. Uh, and it's not, you know, they're, they're not hitting their roadmap or they're not hitting their targets and it, it doesn't look promising anymore. And you're going to find that there's going to be a big divergence between you know, it's, it's as simple as this, stuff that works and stuff that doesn't. Right now, there is not a, there's no real differentiator in the market between stuff that works and stuff that doesn't. Um, but, you know, to go back to your question, um, there is a lot of low-hanging fruit, I think, that'll get taken up first. Um, but, you know, there's not a single part of, there's not a single industry that I can think of that isn't in some way now in the early stages of being disrupted by blockchain technology, whether it is real estate title and ownership, whether it is medical records, whether it is personal identity, for example, reclaiming and owning your own personal identity is a big one. Um, you know, finance is obviously an absolutely massive one. Um, you know, exchanges, we're seeing the, you know, the Australian Stock Exchange implementing you know, their own private blockchain solutions when it comes to things like trade settlements. Um, you know, but banking and finance is definitely the, the definitely one of the bigger ones. So, is it is it public? Is it public information? The actual platform that they like, for instance, the Australian stock exchange. Is it is it public information as far as what they're building on top of, or do they kind of keep that hidden? Well, some of them are. You know, there are some 
a kind of open source projects. Uh, Hyperledger, for example, is one of them, and that's a uh, you know, and that's an underlying you know, uh, that's an underlying protocol that's been built by a whole bunch of um, you know contributing banks uh, and the Linux Foundation, I believe. Um, so that you know, a lot of that stuff is completely it's open source, but they're private chains. So there's you know, there's a difference between a private blockchain that is used by a company versus a public blockchain, which is kind of distributed globally that anyone can own a part of. Um, so there's going to be a lot of, you know, as I say, it's such a wide space. There's public chains, there are private chains, there are consortium chains where only a handful of, say, trusted, um, you know, trusted uh, banks or institutions will use. Um, you'll see something similar for stuff like global trade, supply chains, um, you know, they won't, they won't, these aren't going to be things that everyone can necessarily buy into themselves. Um, some, as I say, some will be public, some will be private. Um, the private ones are obviously a lot faster and easier to deploy internally as a blockchain solution, uh, say for your own organization, as opposed to trying to launch and build something global. Let's transition. Cause I, we could probably go all night on this, on this stuff. Cause it's one of those it's one of those things where it's, you know, it's not my expertise by any means and it's not my industry and it's, but it's one of those, it's one of those, I, I love disruption. I think disruption, you know, is, uh, is, is a sign that just, you know, it's a sign of human ingenuity at work. And and I would say right now we do have so many inefficiencies associated with, uh, with our world. And so it's amazing just the, the idea and the theory behind it. Uh, and I was at a conference this past, uh, this past weekend in Denver and it's one of those things where the recommendation was at least, you know, own something just so you can see how the technology evolves and, and works. Um, and uh, so, it's, but, but I, you know, instead of going on that, that rabbit trail, what right now are you, like, you're, you're writing, you're writing a newsletter, you have a, a, a product that's out there. Like, what are you, what are you specifically writing about? Is it more like educating people on the application side of things? Is it educating people on the ones, you know, the, the specific uh, cryptocurrencies to pay attention to? Uh, I mean, what, or is it all across the board? It's across the board. I mean, the the vast majority to begin with, you know, 80%, 70% of what we provide is education. So it's just hours of videos, guides, um, you know, how to use a wallet, how to use an exchange, different types of wallet, security, um, because there's no guardrails in this space. You know, if you... Uh, you know, you, you screw up and you send, you know, you try and send Bitcoin to an Ethereum address, for example, you'll lose the Bitcoin. It's gone. There's no, there's no do-overs. There's no, you know, you lose your passwords and, and you know, recovery uh, backups. You lose everything. So there's a, wow. you know, it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's pretty wild west on that front. So, you know, the, the priority, to, you know, everything is built on, first of all, understand how to navigate the space safely. Then once you can do that, then we go to the, you know, the, here are our, you know, outstanding seven or eight recommendations we have at the moment. I'm you know, adding three recommendations next week. And those are all specifically focusing on, on privacy coins. Um, so, you know, I try to introduce various themes. And I, from my side, I you know, want to be able to educate people to, you know, slowly peel back the onion and show them what, you know, what the real applications here are. Like, it's not just, uh, you know, the, the base level of, um, of education is so low 
And there is just a staggering amount of misinformation. Um, you know, there is no real good official source of news and education for uh, this space. Everyone has their own agendas. There's a lot of, you know, just people talking their own books. There's trolling. There's just, it's, you know, you really, um, it, it's a lot of work. Uh, but, you know, as I say, it's I just, most people are just really excited. I mean, yes, it's great that, you know, the stuff's doing well and, you know, you're up two, three, up 600% in one case. Um, but, you know, it's, that's, that's only sustainable for a short period of time, right? You've got to be, you know, intellectually curious. And that's kind of what, if you are intellectually curious, um, it's a never ending rabbit hole. The new tulip mania, the digital tulip mania. But I, I would, I would say, yeah, education is that, is that, you know, that, that fundamental. And right now, I mean, it, so this is probably maybe one of our last questions, because right now, I mean, there is a driving force behind it. But as you mentioned, there's very little education. And I, I posted, a, uh, I was telling you about earlier, posted this this video where it's a guy, you know, mumbling through, mumbling through something, but then he would use these buzzwords of, you know, of Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, right? Every, every other word. And that's kind of what it seems, seems like out there. So as you, as you look at, you know, the potential for a, uh, a bust, right. Or a correction or people losing money, are we past the point where Bitcoin or cryptocurrency or blockchain will become obsolete? Or will, you know, a correction, um, I mean, it'll be a correction, people, you know, maybe lose money, but you still have this underlying amazing technology that will continue, continue forward. Yeah, I mean, I think what's likely to happen is we'll see something similar to what we saw in the dot-com, you know, late 90s, uh, which was, you know, just a huge ramp up, a correction that just, you know, a bloodletting that just cleared out a lot of the garbage um, you know, it's ridiculous in some stages now. I mean, back then it was you just added .com to your name and then you IPO'd. You know, now you just add, you know, there was a company, a UK-listed company quite recently that simply added blockchain to their company name and the stock ran <laughs> like 400% in a day. <laughs> you know, That's I mean, amazing. So, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, we're going to see a clear out. And most of the, you know, the people who, who the, re- the real hardcore people in my network who have, you know, who are really the top of the game, um, you know, they're all kind of welcoming that because it's not, you don't like seeing all of this, these ICOs and scams and just people bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars for stuff that isn't ever going to go anywhere. It doesn't, it doesn't help really in the long term. Um, so most people I think are looking forward to there just being a healthy correction and a, and a weeding out of the of, of the junk, um, but the long term trajectory it's 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 the, the genie's out of the bottle. Um, it's going to totally reshape everything, and I do mean everything uh, you can think of. Okay, well, that was what I was hoping you'd you'd answer because I see I see so many applications in you know many many different industries, and it's yeah. I was I was talking to a uh, some individuals that I'm that I know pretty well. One of which was at uh, Microsoft for a number of years. The other one was at, uh, ran a, a team of developers at uh, uh, Team Mobile, big team of de- developers. And they're, you know, getting into that space to a degree, but just the, 
you know, what's available and what's the opportunity. I mean, basically anything that involves, you know, a, a process or a business process could essentially become more efficient using this type of technology. So it's going to be, it's going to be cool to see how this all, all evolves. And it's good to know that, yeah, you guys do have a lot of education that's, uh, that's out there. So maybe let's talk about just briefly that, and then we can, uh, we can wrap things up because my, uh, because you're in Hong Kong, I'm sure it's not your uh, your daughter's bedtime, but it sure is my uh, my, my almost four year olds. Yeah, the best ways we're gonna put we're gonna put uh, some of the links on the show notes. But what are some of the best ways to get a hold of you to learn more about uh, your company and your newsletter and what you're uh, what you're doing? Yeah, so uh, our website is uh, StansburyChurchHouse.com. Um, so if you go there, there's uh, you know a bunch of free reports there. We'll have a section on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Um, we have a daily uh, that goes out there, and that kind of uh, covers Bitcoin uh, usually once, twice a week, along with other financial markets, which we cover. Um, I have a, a sporadic uh, crypto-specific piece called Tama on Crypto, or cryptocurrencies, I can't actually remember. Um, and, uh, and obviously we have, uh, you know, a, a back-end, uh, it's kind of a high-value research product called Crypto Capital. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you have any questions, just drop us a line. I think there's support email uh, and there's a feedback um, option there on the website. And yeah, I would say in the past six weeks, I've probably responded to five or six hundred customers personally myself. Um, it's which people keep telling me not to do because uh, <laughs> it only invites more questions. But um, you know, it's it's it, it, say it's just a, you know we're trying to educate people as much as possible first. Um, that's the priority. Well, best way to, best way to educate is to figure out what they want to know, right? So that that requires respond that requires responding and reading emails. No, and, and especially in a brand in a brand new space. And so, yeah, we'll we'll put all of the all of your contact information, all of those links uh, through our social media posts and through our our show notes. So go visit uh, thewellstandard.com to uh, to check those out. Uh, but Tama, I definitely want to have you back on, especially as things transpire into uh, 2018 and into, you know, whatever uh, is going to happen with this, uh, this, this, uh, this craze. And I'm not sure if there's a better word to, uh, to explain it, but, uh, but I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you the final word. Awesome. Well, great. It's been a real pleasure, Patrick. Um, and thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Radio Show, your gold standard in everything financial. 